What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. This week's guest is Greg Hersey, a percussionist and educational artist based out of Jacksonville, Florida. He is currently the director of instrumental music at Episcopal School of Jacksonville, but we get into his whole story right off the top of the episode, so I'm going to shut the hell up and let him do all the talking on that. But I first found him on Instagram when he first started tagging Big Fat Snare Drum. His creativity has seemingly grown exponentially, and it's super inspiring. His use of multi-percussion is insane, which from what I gather means playing while standing up. Before you listen to the episode, I encourage you to check out some of Greg's videos to understand the context of both my questions and his approach to music as a whole. But anyways, enough of my yakking. Please enjoy the top five records that helped shape Greg Hersey into the drummer he is today. Cheers. Yeah, so before we get into your top five, can you do a quick little uh, overview of how you got to where you are as a teacher in Florida and all that jazz? Just kind of get everyone up to, up to speed. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I uh, born and raised in Florida, lived in, grew up in uh, South Florida, so kind of West Palm Beach area. And my dad plays drums, so... I, I've just always been around drums, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, whether we lived in, you know, a small townhouse or a house or whatever. It's like my dad always had a kit set up somehow and, you know, had some some buddy of his that were musicians. And it's funny because he never really pushed me to play at all. He knew that I expressed some level of interest. So, you know, he was definitely there to to help me in the beginning stages. And, you know, a lot of that was just showing me quick little things that either he knew, um, you know, things that he learned in, you know, his middle school, high school days, but mostly just a lot of listening, like mm-hmm. him just kind of turning me on to to things that he was listening to at the time or things that he was inspired by. So we'll, we'll kind of see a little bit of that influence um, when we start talking about the five, but yeah. So just played from an early age, you know, did the whole middle school, high school thing. Um, and then we moved to Ocala, Florida, which was a little more central Florida. So kind of uh, North of Orlando and um yeah, I just, you know, I did the whole marching band thing and, and loved it and the jazz band. And, um, you know, I was in uh, uh, one one band uh, for pretty much my whole middle school, high school career with uh, with some great guys. And, um, you know, that that really kind of took me to the next level of just being able to play, play with cats that shared a similar interest. And, uh, you know, I feel like in those early high school years, a lot of people jump around to different bands and groups and meet different people. But, you know, I, I had my core, you know, three guys that, that we just jammed and we recorded. And, um, so we, we played a lot of great music together. It was a lot of music sharing within that process. What was that band name? Uh, the band name was it hit us. So it's kind of, kind of, kind of goofy, but, um, you know, we did some original stuff, mostly covers. And, you know, uh, when I was in high school, we were primarily like a private party, 
uh, cover band. So we, we did a wide range of stuff and that's, um, you know, that's where we got into rage and creed and, and all this other stuff, some classic rock, but, uh, yeah, like in high school, I, I really didn't have a, like a job job. Uh, I was able to to gig and you were a pro um, drummer, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, even at an early age, you know, I, I kind of took the initiative of, of calling venues and getting a lot of no's and just kind of shooting my shot in the Ocala area of events coming up. And even if it wasn't paid, I mean, you know, that, that was definitely the stepping stone of getting ourselves out there and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, we, we were kind of grinding in, in the high school years of just trying to play in the area. And then from there, it was really kind of my senior year of high school. I made the decision of, I, I think I want to do this legit. So from there, I went to university of North Florida, studied classical percussion, um, did my bachelor's and master's there. Um, so I started in 2010 and then finished up with school in 2016. Um, and then I've been in Jacksonville since. So, um, really the, the things that I learned, uh, during my time at university of North Florida, that, that really took me to that next level. And I feel like that, you know, really contributed to the, to the player and to the teacher that I am today. And that's, you know, that's from my teacher that I primarily studied with, uh, Charlotte Mabry. And, uh, she has since then retired, but she's still in the Jacksonville area and we, we keep touch and she's just, she's an amazing influence, an amazing person, percussionist, uh, super knowledgeable. So I want to give a lot of credit and props to her for kind of setting me on the track to be an educator. And, you know, for me, you kind of have to do a little bit of everything, you know, as a musician at this day and age, it's the days of being strictly a performer. It's tough, you know, and if you just want to teach, you got to supplement that with something else. So I, I started learning that as I was finishing music school and uh, kind of fell into the whole teaching thing. I was always doing private lessons and, you know, more so being like a clinician for drum lines and doing master classes, stuff like that. But the position that I have now, I'm the director of bands at a, at a private school. And, uh, you know, that was never really in my, my big plan was to become a band director and, you know, be able to talk about large ensemble things and talk to woodwind players and brass players. But, you know, if there's one thing that I learned in school and for other people to take away, it's not to throw anything out or discredit anything. You just got to kind of take those opportunities and and roll with it sometimes. Um, like I said, you know, I, I never wanted to be a band director, but, you know, I was like, well, let's, let's try it out and see how it goes. And man, this is my uh, sixth year as a director. And I absolutely love it. Like it is, it's super rewarding. The opportunities that I've had just from that, you know, for myself professionally, uh, it's amazing. Like it's, it's a really sweet gig. And, uh, you know, knowing that I am making some small difference in people's lives as they're transitioning into college and adulthood. And, um, that's, that's really cool, man. You know, I, um, the group of seniors that I have right now in band are all the kids that started with me my first year when they were in seventh grade. And now they're, you know, applying to colleges and doing all that stuff. So, it's cool. It's, it's bittersweet. It's definitely going to be uh, tough at the end of the year, letting these kids go. Cause they're, mm. they're, uh, they're the ones that started with me. So um, yeah, teaching, teaching is awesome, but uh, it's definitely made me a better player. Cause I have to really kind of break stuff down in 
five or 10 different ways, you know? Sure. Yeah, man. I mean, other than that, like I still gig out a lot. Um, I got a full weekend this weekend with gigs. Um, just kind of, you know, keeping it local. I'm still doing the Instagram stuff, church gigs, wedding gigs. You know, I just, I, I try to stay as busy as possible and finding the balance. You know, that, that was a tough thing because a lot of people can just give 110% to teaching and that's it. But, you know, for me, I, I really, really wanted to find that balance of still being a performer, still being able to teach and be efficient and effective in, in both. So, all right, well, let's just hop into your top five. And I do want to ask, was it difficult? Was this easy? Did they come right away or did I make you lose sleep? What was the (laughs) mode going into this? I feel like albums are tough for me because I, I, I like to pick, you know, I, I have, you know, my artists and songs that I'm really influenced by, but when you take it down to albums that it gets a little tricky, like, I'm sure pretty much with everybody that you've had on the show, they could list 50 albums, you know, mm-hmm. instead of five. So for me, I feel like the number was appropriate. Like I, I could absolutely narrow it down to five, but I think just finding albums and like, you know, having multiple songs on an album that, that really kind of inspired me and got me to that next level or, you know, being able to pull things from those albums that that's what I really had to think about. So, because there, there are some albums that maybe have one or two songs and it's like, do I want to really put that in the top five? Like, I feel like the whole album needs to just be a banger. Sure. Yeah. um, But yeah, I, uh, I'm usually not good with that stuff. Like on the spot, um, (laughs) you know, we have like meetings at school and they're like, Oh, what are your top five foods or whatever? And man, I panic with that stuff. I'm just (laughs) like, I I need time to process and write it down and think about it. Um, So but yeah, I, I I feel like with this, I yeah, I'm I'm happy with my five. So. I mean, look at the list; they're solid answers. So okay. and and there are no <laughs> rules. So again, if you if there's more than one song on a certain record, like well, let's play this song too, whatever. Just let me know. There's no rules. Um, I, right, I actually cool. rarely think it becomes the big fat five. It's usually the big fat insert whatever number. So, um, but number one, and also, are these in any chronological order? We'll say yes to to some extent, loosely. Nice. Okay. Love it. All right. The, the first album is Moving Pictures. The release here is 1981. The artist is Rush. The song is YYZ, or do they say Z? I don't know. It's YYZ. And the drummer is Neil Peart. So take it away, and then we'll listen to a little bit of YYZ. I didn't want to think twice about this, but I, I almost thought it was a little cliche of like, oh, you know, Rush. But I feel like every drummer in some aspect should be inspired by Rush. And for me, absolutely, you know, that big influence of my dad, like that, that was one of the first, you know, rock albums that that I really listened to and got into. And he's like, man, you, you got to listen to this. Neil Peart, you know, he's uh, rest in peace, Neil. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's just it's one of those albums, man, that that every drummer should listen to and and get something out of and talk about way ahead of its time. You know, when when we think prog rock of what it is now, but going back to you know the the late seventies, early eighties with Rush, like you listen to that and it's still it still hits, man. It's like damn, like that that is some good quality stuff. But with this album specifically, you know, I early on I was listening to a lot of different stuff. And um, with this album specifically, you know, I was trying to play along with it. And 
throughout my drumming career, I was not a big play along guy, like what learn the part exact and stuff like that. I just, I really wasn't in it. I, I wanted to play along in some aspect, but with this rush album and with YYZ, I feel like these were some of the only songs that I, I really listened to just incessantly and, uh, and learn the part verbatim. Like I, I wanted to really break down every nuance of, of his style, um, and, and try to understand it as best as possible. And, uh, the, the group that I was with, you know, in my, my high school years between myself, the bass player and guitarist, we, we tried covering it and, you know, I, I tried to do it justice and it's always like, ah, you know, I can't touch that. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, off limits, off limits. Again, that this was definitely a song and album that I've listened to a lot and that I feel confident and comfortable to know all of the drum parts. Just because with with Neil, it's he was so methodical and the parts were so well orchestrated and well thought out. You know, he was he was just that kind of drummer and that kind of person. And he, which a lot of people don't know, he actually wrote most of Rush's tunes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the guy was an absolute genius. So, and YYZ being an instrumental, it's like you, you just, you can immerse yourself in that and, and listen to it 50 different times and pick up 50 different things, you know, as you're listening through. So, uh, especially with drums, you know, the uh, meter changes and dynamic changes, you know, th- this song really just is a full package song. You know, and uh, it doesn't require vocals, and they knew that. And I, uh, I was able to see Rush several times live, and when they play this, man, it's just the place goes nuts. Like, absolutely, he, he starts out with that bell, and it's like, here we go. And all you can do is smile, and it's mm-hmm. like you know it, and people are air drumming and whatever. And you know, I know that's goofy, but it, it's one of those tunes, man, that just hits so hard every time that you hear it, and. Uh, you, you really try to pick up again on the nuances as you're listening through. So, yeah, this record, the first four tracks, Tom Sawyer, Red Barchetta, YYZ and Limelight. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just listen to YYZ. Uh, we'll listen to about, about a minute of it and then I'm going to fast okay. forward to the drum solo, obviously. So cool. here we go. Let's go to the little, I guess, bass solo slash drum solo section. Here you go. See, that's the thing. His his drum sound, even in the 80s, man, it's just so clear. All right, number two, the album, and I, I love that we're doing this. They've never been talked about. So, uh, albums: Human Clay, 
The release year is 1999. The artist is Creed. The song choice is What If. And the drummer, again, hasn't been talked about, but he's a monster, Scott Phillips. Dude, Creed, well, as you know, Creed was huge in the late 90s, early 2000s. Man, they they had some some really big hits. And, you know, watching VH1, MTV, oh boy, really show, really showing our age here. You know, I mean, th- their music videos were, were in the top. And uh, I remember hmm, I bought that album when I was in fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade, um, when CD players were still a thing. And uh, man, I, I listened to that album a lot, just, you know, on the CD. Um, and they just rock. They, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's another one that some people, some people hate on Creed. It's like, eh, you know, but I just, I think that album specifically, um, a lot of those tunes go hard, man. Uh, and Scott is such a solid drummer, really underrated. And especially playing along with this stuff and, you know, playing with groups when I was in high school, a, a lot of my playing was actually inspired by him because it was really clear, concise simple but you know he he does a lot of kind of nuanced things and and it it really fits in the context of what they're doing but yeah even things that newer albums that creed came out with and then um when they kind of branched out uh with another group alter bridge you know those guys are just monster musicians they're 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 great and i feel like they really embodied that that late 90s early 2000s kind of grunge scene but even some of their their slower, uh, you know, more ballad stuff, it's great. Like higher, arms wide open. I mean, th- those are just just classic hits, man. Dude, higher still pumps me up. <laughs> that was actually in eighth grade. That was our like graduation song as okay. we were walking off. You know, it, I guess we had a graduation ceremony from middle school to high school, and yeah, as we were walking out, they played higher, and like I felt so alive. <laughs> <laughs> You know, specifically with this track, What If, um, th- this was one of the songs that uh, that the band I was in that we covered. And man, it just, it drives. And I feel like it's not a super well-known song by Creed mm-hmm. um, because you have Arms Wide Open and Higher and One Last Breath. It's, but this one, this is a, a little edgier. And uh, man, I, I still get goosebumps, you know, because I think about when we played it as a group and yeah, we, we just, we really, really rocked out with this and it, and it has some, some driving parts some pauses. Uh, and again, it's, it's a little of the, the, the heavier side with Creed really, really driving song. So, yeah, well, here we go. It's the perfect amount that you should open your hi-hat. It's sloshy, yep. but it's not. It's just... It's not, not that. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds great. He did that a lot there. God. Doom, doom. Like going yep. into the downbeat. That's, yep. I remember him doing that a lot. And I used that a lot in my playing, you know, especially with rock music, so... Absolutely. But 
Oh yeah. Great, great drum sound, great tones. I mean, punchy, punchy bass. That snare is cracking. Um, yeah, super clean. I still got to say that that the album cover just looks. It's just like so iconically bad. Uh, <laughs> looks like it was made on clip art. But again, it's it's in the pop culture cycle. It, it does, yeah. it does. Yeah. It's so perfect. And that's not me hating on them. I just some of my favorite bands have in, interesting covers. It's just uh, sure iconic. All right, everyone, I wanted to share some exciting news that the latest season of the podcast Food on Tour has just begun. Touring drummer and good buddy of mine, Mike Robinson, who plays with Oliver Tree. He's covered a few gigs for me with Cannons. He's also played with K-Flay, Delwater Gap, Blame My Youth, and many more. He dives into mouthwatering conversations with professional musicians and artists to uncover their most cherished bars and restaurants to frequent on tour, from hidden gems to five-star meals at iconic establishments around the world. Fans of food, music, and travel can look forward to new episodes every Monday. So download Food on Tour wherever you listen to your podcasts and give Mike a, a, a sup for me. What a horrible way to end this. Cheers. Hey, y'all. I wanted to... (laughs) I can't say. I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by 5.5 snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three-position strainer, 42-strand wires. It's lovely. It's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his, his, you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was, it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour and I didn't keep it and I regretted it ever since then just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time and I just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye um all right so (laughs) Number three, the album is Stankonia, release years 2000. The artist is Outcast, and the song choice is B.O.B. Man, Outcast is is one of those groups. I don't think they're still making music together. I know they did a lot of separate stuff. Um, you know, Big Boy is still pretty relevant. Their producer, Sleepy Brown, 
actually started following me uh, a while ago and reached out. He's like, man, I love your stuff. This is, you know, really dope. Um, and again, he was, he was their main producer. God, Outkast had some, some bangers, uh, especially on this album. Well, before you move on from that, what, how'd that conversation go? Was he like, I want you to send me some stuff or like, or is he just complimenting you and that's it? More so complimenting. And I, I really wasn't looking anything for anything from it. Uh, I actually didn't know who he was until I clicked on his profile. I was like, Oh, all right. That's who you are. Dope. So, um, like the, uh, the track, I like the way you move. Like when, uh, I like the way when, oh, that was terrible. When he was all the, the higher, that's not big boy. That's actually sleepy Brown. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. He has a killer voice too. Wow. But yeah, he's, he's always been vibing on my stuff, which was, which is pretty cool. Not surprised. I'm not surprised. I was, you know, if, if you wanted to use any of it or sample it or Hey man, you're it's, you know, all for it. So, yeah. but man, like th- this group, they, they really, really put out some great hits. And with that album, you know, you have Miss Jackson, so fresh, so clean. And their, their albums are interesting because it's, it's very storyline esque. They have a lot of interludes and, and uh, you know, a lot of tracks that are like 30, 40 seconds long and you're listening. And you know, when I was listening to this, I was a kid, so I didn't really <laughs> understand everything, but as an adult uh, listening back to it, like you just listen through the whole album. And I think there's like 26 tracks on Stankonia. So I actually remember having the VHS uh, for the music video for B.O.B. And I loved it, man. It was so weird. And, you know, it's, man, this, this song just hits, it's just drive energy, you know, but with, with a lot of outcast stuff, like I'm, I'm a big hip hop enthusiast and lover. And, you know, that's, that's where a lot of my inspiration and grooves come from is, you know, this early two thousands hip hop stuff. I, I feel like a lot of rap and hip hop today is just kind of missing it as far as like, beats and the use of real instruments but you know when when you run it back to like 2000s and um something or any of these tracks like so fresh so clean i mean it starts out with that iconic like people aren't doing that today man and it's so simple but people know that tune when they hear that beat they don't have to hear any melody lyrics like you hear that track and it's like here it goes yep so fresh so clean but yeah, man, this 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 album hits like it's it's sweet. So again, a lot of uh, influence from these uh, hip hop based grooves, and um, I, I definitely try to implement that in my own playing. And honestly, it's just something that that gets me inspired and gets me excited. Hell yeah! Well, before I play uh, Bob, I, since you mentioned so fresh, so clean, let's just play it. This the five seconds of that, so people know. All right, listen to the whole record because that's uh, all you're gonna get for that one. But here's here's Bob, which means, by the way, it stands for Bombs Over Baghdad. One, two, one, two, three. Yeah, it's your national underground thunderbounds when I stop the ground like a million elephants and silverback orangutans. You can't stop a train. Who wants up? Don't come unprepared. I'll be there, but when I leave there, better be a household name. Brother man telling us it ain't gonna rain. So now we sit in a drop top soaking wet in the silk suit, trying not to sweat. Hit some assaults without the net, but this be the year that we won't forget. One nine. Yo 
like this is what I love about it. It's simple. It's really straightforward, but there's some there's some texture, there's some depth to it, man. Mm-hmm. Like you listen to everything how it's layered. So when it comes to your hand drumming, I mean, did you listen like did you, did you play try and emulate stuff like this or like how did you get into that part of your playing, I guess? I mean, with that specifically, uh if you want to get technical, I guess that would be considered multi-percussion. Okay. And that was something that I I really kind of got into when I was in college and music school. And you know what I found out was a lot of the pieces and repertoire that was considered multi-percussion. It was honestly kind of lame. It just like, I was like, where's the groove, man? I have this, I have this dope ass setup with like standing bass drums and like all this cool stuff. And it just sucks. I was like, what, what am I doing? So, you know, but I, you know, as I went through school, I did find pieces that were a little more groove centered or, uh, especially duets um, that I could play with people that that locked into some sort of groove. And it's like, yeah, there it is. Like I can do all the other weird stuff, leaps and bloops and like, you know, all this weird syncopated stuff. But when you have a cool setup like that and and you find a groove and find a pattern, like it's going to make you feel good and your audience is going to love it too. Like, mm-hmm. and that that's the biggest thing is the listener, right? The audience, if they don't get it, over their head. Uh, but if they can latch on to something and, you know, uh, and, and find that groove and relate to that, like, that's what I want. So I, I think that's, that's really inspiration is, is finding these hip hop grooves that, that feel good. And, um, you know, I, I'm trying to convey that to my audience of playing grooves that I enjoy, you know, I'm not going to play stuff that I'm, that I don't enjoy, but I, I want to play stuff that is accessible to my audience, you know? So even if I, if I get kind of technical and and stuff like that, I definitely pull a little more inspiration from, from stuff like that. And, you know, like I, I did the, the fresh or so fresh, so clean cover where I played like one hand on Glock and then everything else kind of standing up and people love that stuff. Even if they don't know the tune, it's like, man, that, that grooves. Well, and there's something about hitting a bass drum with a mallet or with a stick that even if you're really good at doing, you know, double flutters or the the power of alternating strokes in the hands, it just it just sounds really cool and distinct. Yeah, yeah, so. for sure, De- definitely. Um, you know, I, I was never a, a great double bass player, <laughs> so I, I kind of make up for it with that. Or you can, you know, you get you always get a little more bite, a little more articulation using sticks or mallets. But you know, it just it provides different musical opportunities and you hear things differently when it's, when it's right there, especially with bass drum. Cause it's, it's so dry and it, and it punches so hard. So. Especially in that big auditorium that you've been playing as of late. That's so fun. <laughs> that's, I wouldn't even take a salary. I'd be like, can I just film videos in here? I'll just do it for free. So, <laughs> so number four, the album is rage against the machine. The release here is 1992. The artist is, of course, Rage Against the Machine, and the song choice is Bomb Track, and Brad Wilkes, the drummer. Man, I, I always told myself, and I and I joked around with with friends, you know, within the past couple of years, like if we were to ever start any sort of cover band, which is a or a tribute band, yeah, Rage Against the Machine cover band. Man, th- their music is just it hits hard, it grooves. You know, they they had such a unique sound between all of sort of the the rapping hip hop elements. But when you listen to to Brad Wilkes playing, it's very raw. It's very organic. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a, a lot of his stuff 
again, it, it feels genuine. It feels real. It doesn't feel, I'm sure he was playing with a click, but even if he wasn't, there are times where he, I feel like takes some liberties, but the whole group does of like pulling back a little bit, make it a little more funky. And it's like, that's, I always appreciated that about his playing that it wasn't like, it didn't feel like a drum machine. Um, I mean, it was super solid. They're always locked in, but it, it has sort of that organic flavor to it, if you will. Yeah. And man, this album with it, with this being their first album, it's like, how, how do you top that? I mean, there's some real bangers on this bomb track. Uh, Killing in the name of is on this one, which is, you know, very well known from them. Uh, Take the power back uh, township rebellion. I mean, there, there's some really good ones. I feel like of all the rage albums between this and evil empire, I would say, and this is why it, it, it made my list that they're, for me, are just just more hard hitting tracks on this, um, and you you get a little bit of everything on this. They they slow some stuff down, and uh, yeah, they 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 really set the bar pretty high with this album specifically. But man, just and we'll we'll hear it in the intro of Bomb Track. It's just that whole building driving thing. I just I get so excited every time I hear it, and it's like this is one of those tracks that you want to play with people and you know, that energy is going to come across on stage or um, even if you're just kind of playing for fun, um, even playing along with the track, man, it's just like, I'm automatically just going to wail the piss out of these drums and just play louder and play like Brad Wilk because he, he plays hard and you can hear it. again. It's his playing is very nuanced, but with the whole dynamic of the group, like you can clearly hear everything. You know, and it's just, it's, yeah, love this album, man. Love Rage. All right, here we go. Here's Bomb uh-huh. Track. And this is the one I would want my hi hat open just like mm-hmm. as much as it could, just go to town. Snare has such smack, but such body as well. Yep, yep. Number five is what I would say about Brad's drumming, but it's Damn. And the release here is 2017. The artist is Kendrick Lamar. The song's DNA. I don't know who played drums on it. Um, maybe uh, maybe Brody Simpson played on it, and he's just trying to pretend like he's trying to be Kendrick Lamar now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, this goes back to the whole my love for for hip-hop rap. And Kendrick is just one of those artists. He's, he's a generational artist, man. I... I in my opinion, he has saved the the rap game of today because he's one of those artists that he cares so much about the craft, and that really shows in his music. He's a storyteller. I've cried to his music. It's just, he's a storyteller, man. 
And his music is so well composed and well thought out. And it's just unique. Like a lot of his stuff is really simple. You know, you hear these, these little synth lines and, um, you know, his phrasing of lyrics and stuff. It's just, he's so musical and he's just, he's honestly on a different planet. And, um, you know, I, I've listened to damn a lot, uh, just, just playing it through and, you know, just listening to it in the car, just having it on the background, but being able to like sit down and really truly listen and analyze and dissect what's going on. You know, the, the guy's a lyrical genius and, you know, he, he does write pretty much all the songs and uh, has a big hand in, in producing the songs. So, you know, he, he uses some really unique things just with his own voice you know, I know that Thundercat has been on a couple of his tunes and you hear some of these different bass lines and it's like, that's it, man. He's got he's got kind of that that old soul, you know, throwing some of this some of this stuff back to like 90s, 2000s, but still still having that uh, kind of uh, new, like refreshed sound. Um, and when his newest album came out, I, I mean, that's all I did for a couple of days was just, was just check out the new album. And, you know, I waited, I waited like everybody else. It was a solid five years and he did it to the day of, you know, from when he released, uh, and like, I don't know, man, he's, he's one of those artists that, um, that I feel like I've really connected with. Um, but his, his music is just, it's, it's special. It's pretty incredible. All we can do is play it after that. That was a great sum up of that. So here is, here's DNA. I got, I got, I got, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. Cocaine quarter piece, got war and peace inside my DNA. I got power, poison, pain, and joy inside my DNA. I got hustle, though, ambition flow inside my DNA. I was born like this, this born like this, immaculate conception. I transform like this, perform like this, was y'all shoot a new weapon. I don't contemplate, I meditate, then off your fucking head. This that put the kids to bed. This that I got, I got, I got, I got realness. I just kill shit cause it's in my DNA. I got millions, I got riches building in my DNA. I got dark, I got evil that rot inside my DNA. I got off, I got trouble, some heart inside my DNA. I just win again, then win again like Wimbledon I serve. Yeah, that's him again. The sound the engine in is like a bird. You see fireworks and Corvette tire skirt, the boulevard. I know how you work, I know just who you are. And it's definitely one of the the more popular tunes on that album. I, I know they've you know played on the radio and stuff, um, but you know some of his his deeper tracks on that that album where you know again he's telling a story and he's very vulnerable and and open with you know his his trauma and experiences and. Um, you know, even though I maybe haven't had any of those experiences, just like, you just, you feel like you have, and you can, I don't know, man, he's, yeah, he, he really tells a story and it's like, his music is unique. Yeah. Even, even so a track like that, where it's a little more groove orientated, um, you know, uh, in my car, I have like two 12 inch subwoofers. So like, you can imagine that that song in particular just pumps, man. It's like, it just gets me going. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's just a poet like, and he's real. Um, yeah. So I, I appreciate and admire, you know, his, his writing style. Um, you know, his voice is unique. 
Um, and, you know, even uh, some of the effects that he puts on it and even just like his speaking voice in some of his songs. Um, yeah, he's he's awesome. Well, I do want to mention one. So this, uh, I always give my guests a, an opportunity to list a few honorable mentions. And I was turned on by this one because it's, uh, it's a bass player's record. So it's Victor Wooten, Soul Circus. So I do have the whole record queued up. Do you have a certain song you want to play? Uh, but beforehand, why'd this make the list? Or why I mean, didn't it, I guess? <laughs> yeah. And this was tough. And I, I mean, that's why I put it on the honorable mention um, because it it's right up there. And I remember buying this album when I was in high school on like a marching band trip to New York. And uh, it was right when that album came out, my buddy's like, Oh man, he just dropped a new album. Like you got to get it. So got it. And uh, you know, at the time I was like really into bass guitar and like being a drummer, understanding the nuances of bass guitar and all of that, like it's just going to make you a better musician. And I've been fortunate to see Victor several times and he's just a world-class player. Like, again, his sound is unique, his approach to the instrument. And he's just, he's a genius. And like this album was just different than things I was listening to at the time. And I, you know, years later revisited it, having a better understanding of music and, and really being able to sit with it and analyze it. You know, there, there's just, there's some beautiful tunes on there. Like, talk about composition and, and well thought out music. And most of it, you know, doesn't include lyrics, which I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of as well. Uh, it's just, you know, I, I really want to listen to the instruments um, and, and there's just some really funky stuff on there that, uh, and I believe Dorico Watson uh, was his drummer for a while. And I think he was on that album and his playing is, is always super tight as far as the track. Uh, I would say probably Victor. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's play Victor. Yeah. I think it's about that time, baby. My name is Victor, and I'm a winner, and I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And just because I come out on top don't mean I'm leaving you out. Yes, I'm a trickster, but not a sinner. And you may not agree. Before you start to criticize, are you talking about you or me? Because I'm your brother, your friend. I'm so much a part of you. To be the victor, deal with who you are. Before you worry about what to do, I'm right here with you, not against you. It may look like deceit, but I am always on your side, even when we compete. Great play along, um, you know, it was a great way for me to really work on feel and not not be locked into this mat. It's like you listen to the bass player, man, you go off that. But um, yeah, that that was an album that I that I really played a lot. And, uh, you know, I was just listening to in a different way. It's you take that album and then Rage Against the Machine, totally different. But, you know, it I, I felt like it required a little more musical maturity to to understand that and really appreciate what was going on you know and looking at it there there's a couple tunes on that um 
I think like prayer, it's like a, like a bass ballad and it's beautiful, man. But I, I remember, you know, I was like, that was one that I might've skipped over. I'm like, huh, listening back to it. It's like, man, guys really playing some stuff. Like it's beautiful. Yeah. Victor Wooten, uh, if people don't know. He also wrote a very famous iconic book called the music lesson. And, uh, I remember from that book, you're always just a half step away from the right note. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, I've, I've tried to apply that to my life in some weird way, but it was just, I remembered that was my big takeaway. It was, you're almost there. All right, well, that's your top <laughs> big fat whatever, but how can people get a hold of you? How can people find you? All that jazz. And then I'll let you go because I know you already had a full day of work today. <laughs> um, honestly, Instagram is, you know, pretty easy to reach me by, you know, just hit me up on a comment, DM, anything like that. I, I, I try to check that as best as possible. But, you know, I I feel like that has been a way to, um, you know, the, the audience and reach is, is so wide with that. So, you know, whoever's listening or anything like that, yeah, just, just hit me up. Um, I'll do the best to, to get back with you and, uh, you know, talk drums, you know, if we want to do lessons, like anything like that. Um, happy to happy to always talk about music and stuff so all right greg well i will let you go actually I, i'm gonna pretend uh i'm gonna say goodbye to you and then i, I do want to ask you a question real quick but um okay i'll just pretend to say goodbye so have a good day man i'll talk to you later all right thanks and that's the show if you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews do that it helps more people find the show, so it'll get bigger and better, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for Big Fat Snare Drum and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's amazing, so go check that out at Isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye!